Hello everyone and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha, and we have an extremely special guest this week. Uh, I've been looking forward to this talk for a long time. We have got Patricia Somerset. You know her as the voice of Zelda. Patricia, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Second of all, how are you doing? Oh, well, my pleasure, Andy. Hi. Um... You're welcome. Um, I am. I am well. It's uh, it's it's Sunday, so. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not too cold of a Sunday. You know, it's actually. I haven't really gotten out, so um, I haven't gone outside today. It doesn't look like it's cold. There's no snow. Being in Montreal, I'm I'm in Montreal right now. So. Oh. You just answered. You just answered my question. I was about to say because I know that you split some time between LA and Montreal, so you're um. You're you're Canadian like me, right? Or like at least a dual citizen Canadian? I love how you're like, you're Canadian like me, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I am actually dual. I grew up American and then I think I, I was like 20 when I came to Canada. And uh, yeah, no regrets. I But I, I do go back and forth all the time. But obviously this year there's a lot less travel happening. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty much yeah. in... Montreal for the time being and we'll see see what happens from there yeah it's it's definitely a weird year you'd usually be watching a Canadians game right now but uh we got none of that going on unfortunately um I even thought about that it's uh it's actually like sunny and gorgeous Uh, I'm out in Calgary over on uh, on the west side here so it's it is a strange December just all around it feels like it's warm and it shouldn't be um and so yeah um, I guess, uh, so we have a whole slew of questions for you, Patricia. We, we got some questions that I cooked up and we asked our community to, to fire off some questions for us here. But I guess, uh, let's just start right at the beginning here. Um, tell us, walk us through all the way back to the Breath of the Wild days. How did, how did Princess Zelda happen? How did that take place? And did you know what role you were auditioning for? Right. So back, yeah, so rewind, I guess that would be back in... 2016. Um, so before Breath of the Wild happened, uh, and then up until when I got that audition, I was making a move to LA um, after having been an actor in Canada for a long time and, and a bit in um, the UK and stuff like that. So I made this move to LA, sent out my packages to my contacts and was invited in for this audition, not knowing what it was. Um, it was sort of a bleached script. And got the, I got a, a breakdown for like a few different characters that I prepped over a few days and then went into the studio, did the audition, got a call back for this particular character, which was definitely a princess um, and it looked fantasy based. And, but I, yeah, I had no clue what I was auditioning for. And then it changed my life a little bit. <laughs> Definitely, you know, wow. sent me around the world and stuff. And um, yeah, it changed the trajectory, let's say, of my present day experience as an actor. It's uh, pretty crazy. But yeah, it started from a kind of 
bleach script where I, I didn't know what, uh, what I was auditioning for and then turned into Breath of the Wild. And then now, of course, um, it's a gift that keeps giving, which is so great because you never know that that's going to happen until it does. So Is that... Yeah, it's wild to look back, honestly. I, I was Oof. just wondering, is that something that normally happens? Like, it's so secretive and you just kind of audition for it? Or do you usually know? It completely depends on the game. Usually by the time you go in and record, you definitely know what the project is, but not even always. Ooh. Some games you're recording and they don't even necessarily give you the name of the game or there's a code name. So you'll find out after the game releases, you might say, you might pop up in a credit somewhere or then you might understand that that's the game. Um, it, it totally varies. A lot of times you do hear what the game is by the time you get there. Every once in a while, you know what you're auditioning for. Um, but with video games, yeah, it is very, very secret. Most of the time, there's massive NDAs. Ooh, that's crazy. Even from you, yeah. yeah I bet. <laughs> it is wild, yeah. I, I always thought that that was so crazy because like, you, you must be reading some of these lines and like, maybe they haven't told you, but you, you're kind of putting together what it's for. I just That always seems so wild to me. Yeah, that can happen too where you, where you could sort of put it together, but if it's a game that hasn't already been released it, like in this sort of case, they bleach the script. So you get something that sounds like it could universally be from a lot of different games. Sometimes the games that you audition for and, and scripts, film, TV, if it's really, really secretive, they're going to give you a generic script that's going to sort of look like what it is, but not at all. All the names are changed and the situation, the, the room that you're in, all that stuff is going to appear very different. What, um, walk us through like, how you kind of nailed down the voice, like Zelda's voice. Was that something that you kind of had an idea of on your own, like kind of going off this sounded like a princess in a fantasy world? Uh, did anybody have any kind of like input and direction saying like maybe sound like this? Or how did how did that voice, which is now like, you know, synonymous with Zelda, really take shape? That's such a great question because obviously it's... Uh, um, it's been, I mean, people were like, why? Why the British accent? And there were so many um, questions around why the voice choices were made in, in the way that they were. And, um, you know, from what I've heard during the whole process, a lot of people would have had, some, some people tell me that's exactly what they were imagining in the 30-year franchise. And other people are like, that's nothing like I thought Zelda would sound. Everybody had an idea <laughs> of how she was supposed to sound going in, of course, because they have a connection with the game. Um, again, when I created the first offering for the voice it was for the audition and i had no idea what i was auditioning for i was going from the specs of the script which said um uk fantasy base like somewhere in the world of basically proper english and so uh, looking at right. the fact that she was educated um a princess of some kind not knowing and like you know roughly late teens early 20s but with a timeless age like it sort of it would jump around, um, like maybe she's 17, maybe she's in her early 20s. Like it was sort of, it was very vague. And so I was like, they either don't know what that is or um, they're leaving it open. So it's something omnipresent. So I went with the feel of something that was like timeless and older than her years, but also something that was still young. Um, and then right. UK and I'd been studying in London for my master's because I studied theater over there. A friend of mine who, this guy named Chris, who was, um, I went to theater school there with, we studied classical acting, did a lot of very hilarious Shakespeare exercises. 
he actually moved to LA. And so I had him being British as he was help me kind of prep the initial, um, the initial audition. And that's what I went in with just kind of like, honestly making a guess and assuming that I usually don't get those parts anyway, but it would be very good practice. And I would simply do my best at that voice, usually playing sort of stronger, low voiced warrior characters was what I'd been uh, cast as more up until that point, more like Urbosa, um, which of right. course Elizabeth rocks, you know, to the end of the earth. Um, but yeah, so I, I really didn't know. I really had no idea, but I would just, I was sort of pitched my voice up into a place that I felt was like a relatively comfortable um, register and something somewhere that I felt I could sit fairly easily and that would make her sort of the kind of princess that had a lot of pressure on her and was um, refined. And that's where that voice sort of developed from, if that makes sense. That was a very long-winded answer. I'm not even sure if I answered the question. I No, I, actually, that kind of helps me as somebody who, uh, like, maybe struggled with Zelda's voice at the beginning. And I will say that over the years, it's like Andy said, it definitely is my voice for Zelda now. But I kind of like what you said, that you wanted her to sound timeless and, like, like she had a lot of years on her even though she was young. And that's, like, Zelda to a T. So I think you answered the perfect the question perfectly. I have another question for you. Um, were you a fan of like the Zelda series before any of this, or did you did that kind of come after? Well, it definitely increased my fandom after figuring out that I would be part of the um, part of the whole canon. Uh, but yeah, I totally grew up with a Ness in my house. Um, would play Zelda with my sister. We were more Mario by by far, more Mario. Um, we played all the Mario games and the Duck Hunt and all that stuff. Um, but I was very familiar with it, and I'd played the original. I'd played Ocarina of Time in high school. Um, and no, not, not in the recent years at all. Um, I've never been, like, a massive gamer. I've always, like, gamed a little bit here and there. But I've always been pursuing other things, and gaming just was not... Um, I didn't grow up with it being either encouraged or or rebelling enough to <laughs> do it on my own time. It was always like athletics right. and um, dance and sports and that, and that sort of thing. So I, I was a fan, but I wouldn't say that I was a mega fan. Um, but once I found out what the role was, I knew instantly that it was a huge deal and was in awe of the fact that it was going to be me. And as I do with any parts, whether that's theater, TV, anything, um, or video games, I go in from the script and I go and I, I go right in with all the research and um, developing a character and I really try to round it out. So that's what I did with this as well. Um, and I really put a lot into it because I was like, oh my gosh, this is a huge thing. At the time I knew it was huge. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was going to ask this later, but I guess I'll just ask it now because um, you kind of touched on that. Like it, it must have been incredibly intimidating taking on such a like a famous voice like as you mentioned earlier people a voice that people had spent you know 30 years kind of creating in their own heads what that sounded like like did that ever kind of just get to you sometimes where you're like oh man like this is this this needs to go well or what like i can i can't even imagine the pressure of voicing like such a famous character amongst like the the entire video game world I mean, yeah, uh, it, sometimes I, I've, I'd like to sort of make light of that. But honestly, it was a very stressful year. Um, 
recording it because for one, I was fairly new to LA. Uh, I was very new to LA. That's a huge new landscape to, um, you know, suddenly dive into. I had a lot to prove and I also knew that I was given this opportunity, but I had no idea if it was even going to make it to the final cut. You don't know when you're recording those things. And so it was almost scary to be so happy about it because I thought, what if it gets taken away before before the game comes out? So I did feel the pressure there. I wanted so desperately for it to happen and to go well. And I knew that there were going to be um, critiques of it, of course. So, and I knew it was going to be one of the, the higher profile jobs that I've ever done. And I've done a lot of interesting work. Um, I've, did a, I've done a lot of theater. I've done some interesting TV, but I still knew that this was going to be the, the biggest. And so I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I really hope I'm up for this task and just all of what it's going to bring or not bring to me, you know, when, uh, when it all gets released. Like, I just hope the release goes well. Like, you don't know if a console is going to go well. You don't know if a game is going to go well. You could have all this hype. You could spend two to three years on a game. They could cut it. I've, I've seen that happen to friends. So all these things have to be taken into perspective when it's not just about bringing it to the conclusion of does it work for the voice? And it's just you have to factor in all those things and really keep your expectations in check um, until the very end. So I actually- thankfully, I've had some major failures in my life in the acting career. So I was able to... <laughs> But it's true. I mean, anybody who's done it long enough has some has some real zingers. And I'd already gone through some of those zingers. So um, I was able to kind of like, I, I didn't, you know, sort of, what do you say, count the chickens before they hatch, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm actually, this is kind of, um, this is something that I find very interesting because I never knew this side of like acting or voice acting. Like how do you... And unfortunately, this has nothing to do with Zelda, really. But I'm really curious, like, how, what kind of skills do you use to get yourself through that time where you're so unsure of whether you're going to, you know, make the end, the end result and that kind of thing? Like, what is there anything you do to keep your expectations in check like that? Yeah. Um, so I think it gets well, so it depends. It gets easier as the years go on because you can sort of separate yourself from the work a little bit, you realize that your life doesn't entirely revolve around being an actor. You know, like, I think when you're first sort of, sort of getting into that career, um, it can be, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of personal uh, risk taking, it feels like, as you try to expand your inner uh, landscape to take on different characters. Um, and I find the most disappointing moments, what I do is I always, good friends are really, really helpful. Also, always keeping busy with other work, creating other work is really, really useful. Um, because it, it gives you right. some control over, because you just get rejection constantly, like mm-hmm. you, and again, you do get more and more used to it. But sometimes, if there's a role that you really need, and there have been times, you know, where you're, like, where I'd be doing theater, and I was like, starving, like not a lot of money, no security, going for this role, and you know that it will change your life in a way you know it'll change the trajectory of what you're going to be doing for the next year and so you're like waiting on pins and needles and then you get a rejection or you might get like three or four in a row and it can be devastating you know <laughs> like there's no way around that uh 
you know, nobody dies. It's not like you're a doctor and you lost a patient or something. Not at all. But um, but it is your life. Very dramatic creatures. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it is your livelihood and yeah. often your um, your pride and identity. Uh, and you're often pouring yourself into a role and then it's suddenly gone and you're like, what happened? You know, so, um, uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know if I have great, have great techniques for that stuff. Some people probably have better <laughs> techniques than me. Stay healthy. You have to stay healthy as much as you can. That's yeah for anything, but definitely for acting as that well. That makes sense. And like I said, it's just some you, you talking about it just made me so curious because I was like, oh, it's all rainbows and butterflies over there, but really it's not. And so thanks for answering that. That just made me, I, I'm a huge person of, you know, you want to think of the positive things, but sometimes, you know, you have to push the positivity when things are negative. So thank you. I, yeah, I have okay. one more question kind of in that same realm before we move on to some more fun stuff. Uh, but <laughs> I was like, I was curious and Patricia, you kind of mentioned it um, directly already. And, you know, with, with anything, you put anything out on the internet or you just, you put anything out, you're always going to have your, you know, your people that, that are critiquing it or whatnot. And I think that you really, what you said earlier kind of really spoke to me where it's like, you know, people have this idea of what this voice sounds like. And they've had it for the last 30 years. Like, you know, I would say for the most part, people absolutely loved the voice acting in Breath of the Wild, but you're always going to get those people that are like, oh, this isn't what I imagined. So I don't like it. Like, is that, like, is that kind of tough to deal with? Or how do you, do you just kind of brush that off as best as you can? That was tougher to deal with at first because I was very sensitive to it and, and just wanted everybody to be as happy as possible for such a big game. Um, yeah, you really have to keep that kind of stuff in perspective, or, or one one does. Um, and what I've found is actually doing events and getting to go to so many wonderful Comic-Cons. You meet the people who are really moved by that kind of work. They just love the franchise. They um, you're, you're there as a symbol for them for something that they've loved for a long time. You happen to be there, so they're going to celebrate with you. You know, it's like that sort of thing a lot of times. But just... Um, you really got to be positive about that stuff. The, I'd say the negative people tend to be more vocal online just oh, by default. Sure. That's that's the nature of the algorithms of the net. Um, and it does take some getting used to. One has to build a thick skin, I think, with something like this. I'd definitely say my, my skin has gotten a lot thicker over the last years since taking on this particular role, just because it's required more thick skin than some of the other kinds <laughs> of... Um, failures or critiques that I've had in the past, for example, but. Um, and you know what, I, just to kind of counterbalance that, and we're not trying to blow smoke here, Ray, but Allison and I were talking last week, we did a full Age of Calamity, like breakdown of the story. Like, we were like, we were raving about the voice work in there. And it, it always blew my mind how some people could be critical of it, at least for me, because I thought that it was fantastic. Um, so well, yeah, thank I, you, I, thank you. you know, I appreciate, well, no, thank you. I, I appreciate you kind of being so forthright with that because it's like, you know, unfortunately you do always have that negative little piece of the internet that's, no. I, and I think no matter what it was, it was never going to be yeah. good enough, right? Or, or what they wanted. So um, I've always, I've always been a little bit curious about that. Well, there's something in that to channel as well, because that's how Zelda feels and she's doing great, you know, like, but she feels that way <laughs> eternally and that's, that's her plight. So um, it's very relatable in that way, I think. Anybody who's taking risks and um, trying to work very hard at anything, uh, you, you come across that. And I, I do love that about her character in general, the fact that they, um, 
they they dig into that part of the storyline for her and Mm -hmm. yeah what it means for her to feel like a failure but keep pushing forward and striving for something bigger and for the benefit of all and all that you know all that stuff so one can use that as inspiration as one use uses heroes as inspiration you know what i was i was gonna ask you about your thoughts on zelda later but this seems like a perfect segue just now um you, you kind of you kind of mentioned it a little bit but uh i'm curious about like just your your thoughts on the character just in general more so for me because like i'm a i'm a diehard zelda fan right and typically we see her as kind of this like unfailable very composed very altogether kind of a character and in breath of the wild and age of calamity like she really has a lot of flaws where she she can't access her her powers and you know at times she's kind of resentful of of link and stuff like that and it it made her a little bit more like real to me so i was wondering just like what like does just having a character with flaws like that just help you i guess connect a little bit more and say like you know this is a more relatable character to me so the p- performance can be more relatable as well yes andy i'm very dark and so all the dark no <laughs> <Just kidding>. um <laughs> but but actually funny that well I would say the majority of stuff that I've done previous to Zelda has been, I, I've done a lot of dark characters. That's kind of what I do in theater <laughs> and a little bit on TV. For me, that part is like the most natural. Um, it would be so strange if she was eternally optimistic. Well, it would just be boring. It doesn't make sense in this day and age to make a one or two dimensional character. And so, I don't know, I feel like ugh, Nintendo was right on point. Like they, they totally rounded her out and began that rounding out process in Breath of the Wild that also coincided with new kinds of voice work and text. I'm so happy for that. Uh, it makes it, yeah, totally way easier to delve into a three-dimensional character. And it also makes you appreciate the light moments so much more when they're, gosh, it sounds like a Zelda quote, doesn't it? Like <laughs> what, light and darkness are two sides of the same coin. One does not exist without the other, whatever that is. Um, Anyway, but yeah, so that is a so Zelda she knew quote. that from the beginning. <laughs> That's awesome. That's <laughs> Twilight Princess Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yes. I was um I was curious. You mentioned working with Nintendo. So, um, what what was it like working in something? I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit with being so secretive. But like, did you um like enjoy that experience was it new for you and uh, please go into as much detail as you can <laughs> because you know we don't get a lot or from them detail. <laughs> I don't either so that's I'll start with that um and I respect that like I yeah. I know where they're they're coming from in terms of like look they ma- they managed to announce age of calamity with no spoilers no leaks that is so great. And that's because everybody did their job and followed their NDAs. And uh, yeah, um, it's, it is very interesting trying to navigate certain parts of, um, because they are particularly conservative and, um, and private with that information. Not all game companies are that uh, private, let's say. And certainly when you work in other things like theater, TV, and film, Oftentimes you get the whole company around you like championing you or you become part of the publicity. You, um, you're sort of more integrated in that way. But we, our job as voice actors in this game is to sort of just, you know, stay out of the way because it's not about us. It's, 
it's about the content. And so I think the more conservative we are with that stuff, it's, it's way better received. Um, you know, it's a Japanese company and they, they offer what they, um, what they give creatively. Uh, it comes from there and then it um, is sort of uh, disseminated into the other places and then worked on creatively. I just respect where they're coming from there and I try to um, not manipulate the content, try not to be like too far off branding or too edgy online, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Knowing that yeah. people that might come my way are kids and families. And um, so that's been an interesting way to thing that I've had to navigate, honestly, in the last like four years, because previous to that, I, I never had that sort of, um, I came from a background of like theater and um, quite alternative stuff, let's say. Uh, and this was new, like, how do I navigate my online presence um, and just try not to be too, uh, just be like, you know, more careful, <laughs> like more careful right. and appropriate for what is actually the reality of what's uh, coming my way online, for example. So, Well, I commend um, you for that because holy cow, I'm sure it gets crazy sometimes. So <laughs> good on you. Doesn't it for everybody online? Like everybody online has very interesting stuff to navigate these days, yeah. being that it's such a big part of life. Um, yeah, we all have to Especially ask Especially in 2020, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember talking to Elizabeth Maxwell a couple years ago, and she described you as, in real life, very regal and princess-like, I believe was, was her quote. Um, I would say there, the same there as any, her. Is there any truth to this rumor? Yeah. Um, maybe on the surface. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say... Uh, I don't know. Honestly, who <laughs> knows? I don't know. I'm just a small town girl from Michigan who grew up a tomboy and somehow found my way into acting via figure skating. And I'm just going, going with the flow. There ain't no real princess oh, in there anyway. What's that but... saying? Fake it till you make it is the same, right? Uh, so right. If, if you're allowed to say, Patricia, uh, how far in advance did you know about the Age of Calamity project? Like, as you said, like, this was announced, well, I think it was in September, and it, it's out in, in November. It was a very short turnaround time, but obviously the work had started before then. When did you know that you were coming back to, to play Princess Zelda? Um, I am actually not sure if I can give that time. I, I feel like that's one of the... I, I don't know how much I can say at this time, just in terms of like how close the game is. To, I mean, it just was released, so... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, maybe we'll, maybe we'll move on then. Okay. I will say not long before I was doing the recording, hmm. like, um, not long before it was the process. Just in, in general, I guess, of a question and just, just for any project in particular, like, I mean, obviously the, the amount of lines and whatever, depending, but like, how long does a recording process usually take? Ooh, gosh, that varies so much. It's wild. Um... Sometimes the process, I would say, like, so for the first Breath of the Wild, there were, I wouldn't even say sporadic, but I don't know, maybe like over the period of like nine months, we recorded all the material. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like it was constant. It was just that um, things were getting built and then we would sort of come in and, and fill in things as they went and it would uh, layer upon itself as, as the process went along. And then we might do some retakes and sort of there's so much like translation that needed to be done 
in, into the various dubs. Um, and the art was still being finalized. So that was nine months. Um, that process is changing for all game companies now as the turnaround is different and the technology is different, like how it's localized, where it's localized, or you know where it's recorded and sent off to. There are amazing things happening right now in the process of how that's all changing, even just how it gets from the mic <laughs> where it is in the world and then makes its way to the final product. And the turnaround times are much faster now because, uh, yeah, the, the pressure is on and the technology is different. So I'm... it varies. That's one of the longer processes, I would say. Yeah. Um, sometimes it takes about, it can take, you can record something and then a year later it'll come out or even a year and a half. Um, I actually do that, I would say, regularly right now, to be honest, with some other stuff. Um, and then short short way I could say maybe a couple of months that's probably the shortest that okay. I tend to see when the voice is the last process part of the process um I'm just I'm just wondering um not to like harp on how negative this year has been or anything like that but has anything that's been going on you know in current events hindered or like affected how you work or anything like that or are you able to absolutely work Great question. Uh, it, it's a huge question, a very good one. Um, it's affected everybody because of the, the way that the medium is recorded. Um, for me, what it made, what happened to me was I suddenly was stuck in Montreal, whereas previously I, I traveled so much that I could barely keep up with myself, <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh, and then everything just stopped. Um, and it was actually very good for me to stop traveling. But what it also meant was I finally and very impulsively, because as the pandemic was just starting, I realized I might not get to L.A. to record projects that I'm booked for. And I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to lose these. So I purchased a sound studio in my apartment that I never would have done otherwise because of sound issues in my building. Cool. And uh, and now I my roommate is this massive sound studio. <laughs> like, That's amazing. <laughs> I think that's Yeah, really it's cool. been God. it's so cool. It's it's the best. It means that I can get up in the morning and shout and make noises and not worry because I I actually don't like to make a lot of sound if that makes any <laughs> sense. Um I I am actually really maybe sensitive to sound, so I don't like extraneous sound around me when it's like uh, I don't know, chronic or like a TV or some stuff like that. And, and I also don't like to make it. So having a soundproof booth in my apartment is like freedom that I, <laughs> I should have done that a long time ago, oh. but it's expensive. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Allison, that's what we need for this right? podcast. <laughs> my God. I feel like even though it's such a negative thing and everybody is affected negatively by it, sometimes there are some blessings in disguise with this whole thing. Like everybody has just found a way to work new ways and, and I'm really glad that you were able to like kind of keep up with yourself again by stop traveling. I'm sure that was super helpful. It really was. I, I think that's so well said, Allison. Like just um, the sort of silver lining and all the the sort of darkness of this year. I've heard a lot of people sort of admit that they they've actually had super amazing things happen for them this year. Mm -hmm. As I guess when you're sort of confronted with something entirely new, you you tend to make changes that you might have been avoiding or putting off and so many people have done that this year in a good way yeah. um obviously it's not good for everybody at all right. and um yeah mm -hmm. that there's no denying that 
Um, but yeah, those changes in terms of industry changes are big. And yeah, I know so many people now who've gone to remote recording. I'm certainly not the only one. Um, and, and things have been recorded remote that never would have otherwise been recorded remotely. Just never. Um, so right. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, that's uh, insane. But good. <laughs> I think you, it's important to take the silver linings where you can find them. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Right. So speaking speaking of that, so Age of Calamity, at least to my layman eye, seemed like it was a lot more beefy just in terms of the amount of like cutscenes and voice work and uh, there's more characters going on. Was this process, I, I guess obviously it was different in some regards, but I guess how was this compared to Breath of the Wild? Like were you kind of more comfortable in your in your Zelda voice and, and kind of have a little bit down or was the extra cutscenes a little bit more on your plate? How did, how did the two compare? That's a really great question. Um, so of, of course it was different in that we're all going back to this, the same world, but you know, almost what, three, three and a half years later, really like, or like, yeah, I'd say about three, three years later, really when all is said and done since like the very last stuff had been recorded. No, three and a half. No, yeah, three. Uh, whatever that is, a long <laughs> time, time, a very long anymore. time. When did Champions Battle come out? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like no, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, twenty seventeen, and this is two twenty. But we did. There was the DLC. Yeah, so like roughly, you know, about three years later, mm-hmm. to suddenly go back in and just um, whatever that was. Uh, so it was the same, but very different. Uh, we had different directors. And in the first, in, in the first iteration during the whole Breath of the Wild, everything was being invented. So the director and all the team, they were literally trying something new for the first time. And this, this is a spin-off game. It's not, um, it's not a new invention, but then you're allowed to make little, little adjustments and leaps into the future. So we were recording some stuff and, um, you know, the awesome directors, uh, were talking about, uh, Awesome directors for both, by the way. Different directors, but all awesome. They were saying, like, it's cool, you know, she's a warrior now, so we can try things like, um, let's think of it as, like, Zelda 2.0. So what does she sound like more now that she's sort of coming into herself and there's the sort of arc and the through line of these things? Um, So it actually, I was allowed to experiment a little differently with what I'd already built with everybody that had already been approved and became the final product. And then from there... You're like, okay, how can we stretch this and and see where to go from it and make her stronger and more girthy, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Which I kind of feel like people are responding to in a very positive way, uh, I guess. Uh, I, I feel like what I what I have heard in general is that, uh, for a general stance, I think that people have said, like, even if they weren't fans of just the voice acting in general of Breath of the Wild, that everybody almost to a person agrees. Like, Age of Calamity is, is very, very strong. Um, so I, I think that it's definitely, I think that the response has definitely been, and maybe it's just some of that, like now we're used to the voice and now we know what it sounds like. And now maybe it's just people are more used to it, but they're from my side, you know, on Zelda dungeon, I think the response has been like quite positive. That's great. That's mostly, I, I sort of get a sense of it, even though I'm, I'm not looking for that any, I don't pour through critiques and things like, I stay away from that stuff a lot more than I used to because it's not very useful. I do the work yeah. and then that's it. But from what I've seen, because it comes to me regardless, 
um, is that that sense that tends to be the the word on the street, at least that I've gotten, is that uh, it's it's it is very well received and part of it is normalized, I think, too. I, yeah, like people are used to the fact that it's there. Those are the decisions that were made, and um, Nintendo trusted it, so everybody moves forward with it. Um, yeah, and then also, you know, yeah, we're, I, we're improving maybe too. Who knows? Like we're. I, yeah, we're learning. I, I do think that you you do sometimes have to drag people kicking and screaming to get them <laughs> to uh, embrace something new uh, when they've had an idea of, uh, of a particular sound for the last X amount of years. But yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and kind of, you know, Allison and I are are very much in tune with what's going on in the world of Zelda on a day to day basis. And I, I think that that's fair. To yeah. Say. And I, you know, I will admit that I am totally one of those people who isn't accustomed to change doesn't like change and struggled a little bit at first but I've played Breath of the Wild quite regularly over the last three years and then I just finished Age of Calamity and this is like it's something that I definitely uh accepted and really appreciate now because she while I had this voice for her in my head and it came out different in Breath of the Wild I now have a voice for her I feel, especially after Age of Calamity, I feel a lot more connected to her as a character because before, like Andy said, she was just kind of this like post person that was almost untouchable because she was so princessly and so regal and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like she's more relatable. And so thank you for that. (laughs) Um, Oh, I love that you're, that's, I love that we can have this conversation in a sort of just completely open civilized way and just talk about what you like or don't like about it it's that's that's my jam <laughs> so I'm, great we, we want allison over in yeah. the end <laughs> i mean it didn't take that long for me but i understand what you mean some people can be really brutal and uh, i'm sorry you have to deal with that but it's you know at least you that's know fine. that there that there are a lot like you said there are people that are super moved by your performance so um, I have another question for you. Uh, you know, so you did the voice acting in the cutscenes where you're more like you have more dialogue, but in with Age and Calamity, you have like combat lines and kind of like noises that you have to make t- for combat. How <laughs> how was it like working with that and being able to mess with that? Super fun. <laughs> um, it really is. Uh, I mean, a lot of my job doing video game voiceover is exactly that kind of stuff, but getting to do it for Zelda is super, super cool um, because it means that she as a character gets to to grow and sort of unleash in a way that you don't, you sort of stay within the shell of that character and then suddenly it's all a little bit more primal or a little bit more, um, you know, funny or, you know, it's just, it is stretched. So yeah, there's like a lovely freedom in that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my favorite one, like in the combat modes is when she says to me, that's like my favorite. And I was just like, Ooh, all right, let's go Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I just, something about like the, the grunts and stuff. It just, they always crack me up when I'm picturing like the actors, like getting to, getting to do those just like kind of out of context. Oh, I guarantee. Yeah. What? I'm sure you've watched those things, but they are every bit as funny as <laughs> one, one imagines, right? Like they, <laughs> they can be so strange and funny in the booth. Yeah, you're sometimes like. So I I have a question for you, Patricia. Um, Just briefly, tell me about uh, the rest of your of your co-stars and and fellow champions. What are what are they all like? Oh, they're horrible people. (laughs) Just horrible. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I really, um, yeah, one of the benefits of getting to go back into a game or even going to do uh, conventions with people is that you get to know them better. I didn't get to know any of them while we were recording, and I didn't even know who was recording on the game, save I think I ran into Elizabeth at one point uh, before I really knew her as we were going in and out of the rooms on Breath of the Wild. But of course, when you go back in, well, we, I still didn't know who was recording on Age of Calamity, honestly, um, because you don't know until you see the final cast or you hear somebody's voice in a cutscene that might be getting filled in at the same time as you. So I had no idea um, if the whole cast was going to be back, that none of that stuff is discussed. Everybody's very, very quiet and tasteful about it and, um, and under NDA. Uh, so I was like overjoyed um, to see the whole cast back. And previous to Age of Calamity, my gosh, we've gotten together for conventions. We've all hung out. Um, Joe, you know, just Joe Goron, Joe Daruk had a baby, like a, a second oh, baby. I saw it. Yeah. Yay. But he had his first baby during the process of the first game. So it was like, uh, I think the year that the game came out, I, th- I think it was the end of 2017. I think he, his first baby was born. So it's sort of like watching his family. Yeah. Little rock babies <laughs> running around everywhere, Cute. rolling down the hill. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and Elizabeth and I have become quite... Uh, great friends and I've shared several um, panels and conventions with her and heart to hearts and visited her in her various places in Austin and hung out in LA. Mm -hmm. She's, she is just, she's just one of my favorite people now, just sort of hands down, like in the acting world. I'm like, I know Elizabeth Maxwell and she is like a cool, graceful, wonderful, talented, hardworking woman that I just respect so immensely. Um, so yeah, and everybody's got their amazing qualities. I wouldn't single anybody out. Um, they're all very uh, interesting. I remember people. interviewing Elizabeth in particular, and uh, I think it was one of my first ever interviews that I did for this site. And I was, I was a little bit nervous and she couldn't have been more gracious and, and immediately was like very at ease. So yeah, I, I definitely feel that she was, uh, she was awesome. I have to say I'm geeking out because you say that you and Elizabeth are good friends and it just is making me think of Zelda and her Bosa together. And it's just <laughs> making my heart sore. So <laughs> I've thought of it too, and Elizabeth has the kind of quality where sometimes when I'm around her, I feel like she is uh, protecting me a little Aww. bit, just even though she probably wouldn't think that, I mean, we're the same age and we're the same sort of, um, we're just, you know, two gals in the industry, but she does have that kind of, um, not maternal, that's not what I mean to say, but um, anybody that you would talk to that knows her would say that she is a deeply nurturing an open person. So when you're with her, you feel like you're in the company of somebody who can take care of you, you know, Um, and she's strong. So she's like, she does embody the qualities of Urbosa, like hugely, which is, I do feel like all the characters in the game so strangely, they have the essence of how they were cast um, in all the ways. It's very funny. Um, So I I have a question for you and maybe kind of knowing a little bit more about the recording process, this this isn't going to be as, as big of a thing as I thought, but I run into your opinion about like acting opposite basically a silent protagonist in Link or even in Age of Calamity with um, the little baby guardian, Terrico. Um, originally, I was thinking like, is that is that a little bit harder to do because you don't have someone feeding you lines? But uh, I guess, is that was that a little bit more difficult or was that just kind of... Not a big deal. 
it's so funny, you know, like I, I think about that and I'm like, is it a big deal or is it not? Um, I, I feel like I end up doing that a lot in acting. We do, we do do that a lot in video games. If you're not in the motion capture studio, for example, where you're, you know, mm-hmm. sitting with somebody and talking to them and staring them in the face. Um, the director helps out with that a lot. Um, in certain circumstances, we'll give you line, re- line reads before going into the lines so that you have something to play off of. Um, but when that's not happening, you sort of get used to it. Um, you visualize who you're talking to. And also when you're doing the lines, you're going to give like several versions so you can invent what they might be reacting to so that you can give a different version. Um, so maybe in some ways, I wouldn't say it's freeing because it's always better to be acting with somebody and gives a very genuine reaction when you are. But you do get used to that kind of process where you're not necessarily talking to somebody right. who's real. And he's never had a voice, but he has a very big, receptive, open face, this link, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not too hard to imagine. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really hoping that somebody actually played you the little uh, Zelda's lullaby noise that, that Terrico made for you. I thought that was so yep. cute. I'm trying to think of which one because I, I know what I recorded and I, I haven't actually gone back and watched the cutscenes and what the final, like what they chose for them, to be honest, you know, because there were different versions of those things. But yeah, I do, when I was recording, there were some, I mean, no spoilers or anything, but yeah, I'm sure I heard what you're yeah. talking about and the different iterations of Zelda's lullaby. It's something that it, I hold dear to my heart so much now because I, whenever I'm at Comic-Cons and um, somebody brings up an ocarina or um, a different instrument, but a lot of ocarinas, like I get played Zelda's, I've been played Zelda's lullaby in so many places like Saudi Arabia and um I don't know, New Zealand and places in the States. And you're just like, oh my gosh, this language and this lullaby, it's like a universal celebration of this game. It's so, I have big place in my heart for that. That's amazing. <laughs> so I respond to it very much when I hear it. And it's, uh, it's easy to uh, have a heart swell moment. Like the Grinch, whose heart just explodes with love <laughs> i don't know why i said the grinch i'm not a grinch why am i so, i sound so cynical Maybe it's this year. <laughs> well it is it is christmas time so it's true okay no i my heart almost melted when i heard the little like kind of r2d2 version yes. of zelda's lullaby from him i thought it was so cute yeah people came up with some great names for for a little uh egg egg boy oh um <laughs> Yeah, we co- we called him BBG. Yeah, we called him BBG. Yeah, for Baby Guardian. The egg was yeah. one of the ones I saw. I really like that one. Oh, that's, that's so cute. And I'm I'm having a hard time moving on from BBG actually, <laughs> BBG. but uh, we're we're trying. Um, all right, so so I like we like we said, there's uh, I think that the reception for Age of Calamity has been almost universally like extremely positive. But Patricia, if you had to go to like one scene in Age of <gasps> Calamity that really stood out to you, that really stood out to you as like a scene. And I maybe we should preface this with a slight spoiler take here. So anybody listening, you can fast forward if you haven't played. But um, one scene that you were really proud of or like your your quote unquote Oscar reel moment or something like that. Because I have a scene in my mind and I was wondering if yours is the same. Oh boy. I won't spoil anything. Um that's where I stand. Uh, but I, hmm, how could I say that? There were, there were a couple of moments that I was like, oh, yes, I get to do this. This is so fun. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, 
anything that involves a kind of like rousing speech for me is really fun. Um, and I felt like that there was a moment where for me that was like a really. I think we're thinking of the same yeah. moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Quite possibly. Uh, that that was big. That was huge. And something that I don't get to do with that character ever. So I was like, whoa, this is like some really new territory here. That's awesome. I, I'm so glad they decided to include this and write it and make it part of the part of the story. Um, yeah, I guess I could sort of s- stick with that one. I guess. Okay. There's some. Uh, there's that, some that other parts that are too, so much right? fun, but uh, yeah, uh, because that's sort of like acting chops too. Like I get to um, go back to other things that I've trained or learned and and apply it almost directly in a way that you don't get to do very often. Um, so yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Um, what would you say, maybe aside from the really cool ocarina thing where people play Zelda's lullaby, what would you say is like the <laughs> coolest part about being involved with the Zelda community now? Hmm. Where to begin? Um, I, it'd be hard to pick something out. I, I would say that, um, the coolest part of being part of the Zelda, well, obviously I get to see <laughs> like wildly good cosplay. Oh, yeah. Um, and people come up to me and want to show it to me, Aww. which is like, I'm like, hi, um, amazing. I, <laughs> so good. Uh, that and I think something that really sticks with me constantly are the inspirational stories that I hear of people who have either used Zelda as something like to connect to their family or to find their own um, inspiration and something that they're just doing in daily life and they connect to the game and then I get to hear about that and that I just gave myself goosebumps I um, or you know there are illnesses or or much worse that people are going through and this is a relief for them to play the game um, just learning how influential the game is on people's real lives um, and that I somehow am like a person that gets to sit there and hear those stories. <laughs> it's like, I, I sometimes have to pinch myself because I'm like, well, how did, how did that happen to me that I get to be sort of listening to these, like so many interesting stories um, of real people just doing incredible things. And then the game is involved in their world somehow. Such an, I was going to say it's such an interesting link. And then I was like, don't say that. But, <laughs> But it is like it's you know. No, we appreciate it. That's where the the link really is. Yeah, that's that's the real link. <laughs> yeah, love it. We're always down for a good pun on this show. Um, <laughs> Patricia, obviously Zelda is like a, a massive role and stuff. But like, what uh, what is another like, I guess, dream role for you? Be it in in any kind of media. Like, what is what is something like that you're just like, man, I would really like love to do that one day. Oh. I'm so bad with this question, Andy, honestly, like I just, cause I, <laughs> I mean, not to put you on the spot. No, but I mean, I'm, I'm on some level, I'm sure, you know, if I asked you that, you might have like a really clear answer or you might then say, well, maybe I'm actually doing in some way the, the versions of things that I want to do. You know, um, it's, I feel like it's always right. a combination of both of those things. I would say I want to be a rock star, but I have a band and I'm recording music um, and releasing a second album next year. To be able to do that at all, the fortune of that is so good, but I spent years working on it. So no regrets. (laughs) Um, 
I would love to get back on some really interesting sets. I didn't feel that way for a while. I was like, I, everything is just good and I'm just barely keeping up with what I have. But I'm at the point now where I'd love to get back on stage um, in a role that I've never tried before. And as I get older and my casting changes, I feel like that answer is going to change with what crosses my path from what other people are writing. I'm currently writing for the first time. And for me, I wouldn't say that's a role, but it's a, it's a life path that's new and took um, personally like major courage to sort of start up. And I, I write every day right now and I'm writing a screenplay. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Awesome. And I'm very inspired by that path, even though it's wickedly hard, which I guess is what makes it inspiring. Um, so I guess those are just sort of real world ways of answering that question. If I were to be put in a situation where I got to be like a, a character that was similar to Wonder Woman and make like, you know, millions of dollars. Sure. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't I don't hold out for it, though. I I sort of I know I'll kind of if I'm lucky, I'll get sort of a range of things that I can achieve based on what I'm doing. And I don't. I don't dream in a way where I'm going to like try to achieve too much outside of that. I know how much work it takes and, and privilege and luck and all that stuff. I'm a cautious dreamer, Andy, is what I mean to say. That makes sense. <laughs> That's a great answer. I wasn't expecting the rock star part, but I'm so down for that. I'm about <laughs> that. A mild rock star, super... like, a, like a chill one. Yeah. I'm super intrigued <laughs> by your screenplay. I'm, I'm eager to see where that goes. <laughs> Me too. It'll probably take some years before I, I will get to wait. Place where, yeah. <laughs> so I, I just have, uh, I guess, a two-part question here before we move on to some rapid-fire fan questions here. And I'm assuming that you, you can't really say in depth, but um, just tell everybody like what's next, what's on the horizon for you, what we can look forward to seeing you in, and hopefully we can look forward to hearing you again in a Zelda game soon. But uh, I know you can't talk about that, but uh, anything that you can talk about, any projects coming down the pipe, uh, just give us a heads up about where we can check them out. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I definitely can't talk about uh, Breath of the Wild 2, nor, <laughs> nor do I know. Not, don't even um, say it. I, yeah, I can't even begin to... It's a complete mystery, honestly. Um, but other than that, uh, I've been working on some some fun games, a little bit of motion capture. Um, and I can't say what any of them are. So <laughs> that, that's the problem with asking people this question is because you can't, they're always working on stuff, but they can never say what it is, but that's, but okay. at least we have something to look forward to knowing that you're working. Yeah. On something. something like a bit. Yeah. A bit. And yeah. my band is releasing a second album, which we've been working on. It would have been released this last year, but obviously due to the year being the way it was, it got delayed probably more than a year. So um, either late spring, early summer, that's the plan, releasing our second album for Somerset Band, which is like a folk, classical, bit of jazz. It's like six, six to eight people at any given time working on each song. Um, we love that. Um, that's something to look forward to. All right, Patricia, we've got some rapid fire questions for you before, uh, before we get out of here. We asked the community if they had any questions that they wanted to ask. And we have uh, we have a bunch that uh, that they submitted here. So I will start off with one that I am 100% sure that I know the answer to, but I just want your answer anyways. 
Um, I, I wasn't going to include this, but so many people asked me if Nintendo named Riju's Pet Sand Seal oh. Patricia after you. <laughs> the thing is, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I need to go to the top and ask, but it's, it's not something, it's not like yeah. something that I'm just going to go, you know, break down walls to be like, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Um, is the Sand Seal named after me, guys? Like... <laughs> We need to get Reggie on the line, guys. Yeah. We need answers here. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Now that Reggie's retired, that's, maybe that's kind of what I thought. I have no idea, but I love her pink bow, and I just... She um, is the best sand seal. <laughs> I know. I mean, not that there are many sand seals to compare to, but she's the best. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the... F- I, have, I have no idea. In my mind, she just is, uh, even though she probably isn't. <laughs> She, who knows, maybe they named her after a dev or somebody that was actually like writing for the game or who knows. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I, on this show, we're going to say that it's named after you. Um, we can say, all yeah, right, we here's, can say here's a question that we got from a ton of people. Generic as it could possibly be, but what is your favorite Zelda game? Eh. <laughs> I feel like I... I'm so bad with favorites. This question gets asked to me, like, what is your favorite anything? And I'm always like, I don't have favorites. I really don't. It depends on the context. Um, A toss-up between the original, because that's the first one that I played and have a nostalgic kid reaction to. Ocarina, because that's the other one I played in high school. And, uh, I don't know, the humor and the sort of... Everything about it is so delightful um and then how am i how am i not supposed to say like breath of the wild wild. obviously i've lived in it for you know four years so oh i i thought that would have been your answer for sure if i was if i was like random character number six in breath of the wild i'd be like yep that's my favorite right there that's me yeah fair enough fair enough so yeah, Breath of the Wild. There we go. You answered for me. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, have you have you had a chance to play Age of Calamity yet? No. And considering what happened with Breath of the Wild, meaning I was like, I'm going to beat this game. I'm going to play it. I got like 40 hours in. <laughs> and then I was like, there is no possible way I am ever going to beat this game. Also, I'm living inside of this game and going to events and talking about it every day. And um, it's just too much. So I'm not sure I want to go back in and visit it and listen to myself. I just, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm up for that right now, funny enough. Um, it wouldn't be a neutral experience. I would probably play another game first only for that reason. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was, I was going to ask if Zelda was your main character, but your answer makes total sense. I, I don't know that I'd want to like hear myself. I, I don't even listen to our own podcast because I don't like to, to listen to myself. So <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, you fill up, you fill up with it, and uh, I'm I'm self-critical, so I, I like to not <laughs> worry about it too much. Um, oh. for the next one, how does working on something like Zelda compare to like Rainbow Six or any other characters you've done? Mm. Really, quite different because um, I don't do like a, a ton of dubbing these days, so that just the technical aspects of working on the Zelda dub you know, version, the English version is fascinating that the team is different. Um, 
the, just the, the way the whole recording process is, is very specific. Rainbow Six, it's funny that you mentioned that particular one. That's probably my other favorite game to record. I would put them both in like the sort of top three or something like that. Right. Because Rainbow Six is like, it's a gift that keeps giving. It's like one of those characters that, man, so much fun and full motion capture and um, all the stuff that I've been able to do with that and the events that I get to go to for that. And the fan base is really fun too. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're drastically different to do. Uh, no question about that. Done like military training for that. Done. Ooh, um, really? Worked with, you know, I don't know, really interesting people in the studios doing that. Yeah, it's just very different. Um, I've done nothing like that for Zelda. Uh, and yet they're both really sort of rich characters. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what advice might you give to someone looking into breaking into voice acting or anything that you do? Mm. Oh, boy. Um, that question is always tricky because it would depend on where the person is coming from. I'd give very different advice to somebody who already has acting training versus somebody who just wants to get into voice acting but has never done anything before, um, depending on what age you're in or what location. But in general, um, the, the biggest thing across the board is probably that there is, and you, you hear people say this, but it's so true, there is no one path in. It's, it's kind of like if you're going to be a writer or a singer or an athlete, you, you have to just keep doing it and find training along the way. Surround yourself with people who are supportive and doing some of the same things so you have people to bounce off of. And you can find online communities, forums, voice actor forums. It's, it's easy to say there's so much material online that you can just tap into. Sometimes there's too much material online oh, yeah. and you don't know where to begin. Um, I even find that with like anything. You're just like, which podcast should I listen to? And which teacher should I get? And... With a limited budget, what should I invest in? A good, you know, microphone or what? You know, you just don't know. Coaching from legitimate actors who are in the industry, there are a lot of those people around. So helpful. I mean, maybe a couple of hours of training with somebody one-on-one could do great things for you. Um, And so can group courses. So anytime you can get training, I'm like a huge fan of that. Sorry, this is a really long-winded answer. In short, voice hey. voice acting is acting. So acting training is going to apply to whatever you do in voice acting. Don't forget that voice acting is acting first. It all comes from a script. You have to be able to make decisions and be able to analyze characters in a room so that you have something to offer. It's not just about making uh, voices or working with your vocal range. It's about being able to take direction and being able to know what you what your tool is so that when you're in the room, you're comfortable enough to give people what they're looking for or as close to it within a time slot where they're expecting to pay you and they need to make sure something happens within that time slot too. So um, the professional side of that, if you're looking to do it professionally, get acting training and um, whether it's in a school or start taking tutorials and then you just go from there and you don't stop. Just be patient. It takes years. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Um, Patricia, somebody asked me this almost as, as a joke. I also run a Metroid podcast. So 
what my co-host asked me, kind of tongue-in-cheek, and I don't know if you follow this at all, but he asked me, get Patricia's opinion on Brie Larson as Samus in a live-action movie. Uh, do you do you have one thought or another on that? Hmm. Not really. Um, <laughs> I, I think Brie Larson as an actor um, is really wonderful and amazing. And those decisions are made from groups of people that um, have a lot uh, writing on what they put. Um, she probably embodies to the creators a certain degree of all the things that they're looking for that it's sometimes hard to analyze from my side. So I don't necessarily judge all of that, uh, that casting decision, for example. I personally am a really big fan of Brie Larson anyway. I think she's just awesome. But I've, I've never really thought about it in terms of um, the Metroid world, funny enough, no. Uh, so no, I don't have much of an opinion, funny. <laughs> you know what? Like, oh. That was a way better answer than I thought that we were going to get. Uh, in Dak, there you go. I told you I'd ask it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I have, a, I have a question for you too. Not about anything that related to what we're talking about, but you kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, you're also a pretty mean figure skater too. Really quickly, tell us just a, kind of about your career in that. What got you into figure skating? Um, and just any details that you want to share in that world. Okay, I'll make that as quick as possible. I'm in, I am a Canadian citizen because when I was 18, after having skated most of my life, taking part of high school off, I decided to pursue competitive ice dance, which is basically dance on ice, a certain branch of figure skating. That brought me to Florida to train because there are very few male partners in the figure skating world, so to find one is just epic. A lot of the time, especially when you're already, you know, 17 going on 18 or whatever. And so I did that. And that led me to falling in love with a French Canadian ice dancer and moving to Quebec. And then I became Canadian. Then eventually um, I never would have done acting uh, or voiceover if I hadn't epically failed at becoming a figure skater. Um, I ended up getting disqualified from competition Um because I didn't have the proper paperwork to represent Canada. <laughs> um, oh, and it was oh, the no. devastation of my life. And I didn't think that I would recover. I was like 20. Um, I couldn't imagine anything worse than what had occurred besides the strange fact that I found a new partner up in Quebec, really hard to do. Became Quebec sectional champion, partly because there weren't many people competing, but it was also um, going to nationals for Canada. Probably would have placed around like 12th or 13th or something like that in Canada, which is, you know, cool. Um, it was, mm-hmm. uh, everything I was training for in life was to be that. And then found out that I couldn't represent Canada internationally because I wasn't a citizen and I hadn't filled out the proper paperwork with lawyers to, you have to go through this big, weird process. And for some reason, we'd all overlooked it. Um, we trained with figure skaters at the rink that were American, but they'd gone through the process and then could skate for Canada. Anyway, it was a complete fluke and oversight and a promptly ended my skating career. And I was devastated. And about a year later, I ended up um, in an acting program. And it was like this, the saving grace of my life. I'm like, this is it. Uh, and it's more sustainable than figure skating. That's why I was like, acting is something I can actually do. Like, it's sustainable. <laughs> That's amazing. Imagine that acting is sustainable is really funny now, but um, at the time it felt more sustainable. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, that's incredible. Everything happens for a reason. But it does. God, it that's does, crazy. Yeah. The, the silver linings, like yeah. we're right. talking about. Right. Um, yeah, wow. 
Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Patricia, that was that was all the questions that I had for you, Allison. Is there anything that you had that we glossed over that you want to end on? I, I have nothing left. I'm I just <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited that we got to sit here and talk to you. And I learned so much more about you than I, I thought I would. And I, th- I'm really glad that I got to meet you today. Your voice, Allison, sounds so much like a really dear friend of mine named Lucy, Aww. and she's um, a doctor and uh, a former actor and a um, just an all-around awesome human being, and one of the only people in life that I call princess. Like we have a, an ongoing um, back and forth where if we're if we're chatting, we'll say, "Hello, princess, dewdrop, basil leaf, um, <laughs> table of the pine tree." princess like you know take any object in the area and string them all together (laughs) cute um and we do that anyway that's lucy and you sound so much like her i was just realizing your your whole uh your voice yeah so i thought of her fondly allison i'm not gonna start calling you princess unless you want me to well if patricia (laughs) says so then you better (laughs) well allison is allison is a princess well this was uh, this was awesome. Thank you, thank you so much for for coming on. I, I'm going to echo what Allison said. This was really, uh, this was really a really awesome conversation. Your your forthrightness, I think, was just really really awesome. And I'm glad that we got to finally uh, connect and, and do this. I, I had a fantastic time. Uh, I love that you gave such great answers to all these questions. And uh, you know, I think that this is. Uh, I think it's going to be really awesome. And, and so we just wanted to thank you for, for taking the time and, and coming on the show on this uh, fine December Sunday. Thank you, Andy. You caught me on a particularly chatty evening. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm isolated. <laughs> I'm just like, wee, <laughs> let's just chat forever. Um, but it was a real pleasure. And I'm anytime that I get a chance to connect with the Zelda community in any way, it's, it is a real, like, I appreciate it immensely. It is a, a massive pleasure in my life too. So we all have that in common and I send you virtual hugs and thanks for having me. Well, we accept those virtual hugs and send them right back. <laughs> thank you for coming on. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the champions cast this week. Uh, we're going to get out of here, but we hope that you check us out over on Twitter. I am at Spateri316. Al is over at Allison Aletha and uh, Patricia is over at Somerset underscore and that's Somerset with two T's. Uh, we want you to check us out over on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, you know the drill, wherever you get your podcasts, go and like and subscribe, tell that Zelda fanatic in your life where they can get their Zelda fix, and we will see you all back here next week for yet some more Age of Calamity talk. Uh, until then, everyone, take care.